You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. History Bay Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Jen. And we are the Art History Babes. Today's little tiny baby guy is about Cindy Sherman, who is amazing. I feel like I could talk about her for a really long time, and I feel like her whole thing is very in line with the Art History Babes whole thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like we are on the same level to some degree. <laughs> yeah, definitely sharing some wavelengths. Brain some brain interests. Wave, some brain waves. Brain waves? Wavelengths of brain waves. I'm mixing up. Interestingly though, as you'll find out, I don't think she's super fond of art historians, so maybe not. <laughs> I don't think a lot of artists are. Yeah. yeah. Which I get cuz sometimes I don't like being an art historian. <laughs> when listening to the Karita Kent episode, Zach was gushing about art historians and I was like so touched because that was so nice of him it and was. also like shocked because I'm that's not a common response, I feel like. It's true. I've noticed this. It's not even just about art and art historians. I think that a lot of just even musical artists hate feeling like they're being psychoanalyzed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Beatles used to get really up in arms about uh -huh. just like it just means what it says yeah. man it does, yeah. there's no deeper meaning dude and in a weird way i totally get it because like as an art historian who's constantly like looking at the stuff and thinking about it and as a super cerebral person sometimes i want to just look at something and not think about it you know or listen to something and not psychoanalyze it mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. look deeper so mm -hmm. i totally get why an artist would maybe be like just let it be man especially when it's like them that is under scrutiny yeah. and you feel like someone's trying to dissect you and your ideas yeah, yeah. for sure i get it i get it it's cindy. cindy we understand you <laughs> it's a complicated thing but, but we're gonna do it anyway so <laughs> <laughs> so here we go <laughs> Cindy Sherman is an American artist and photographer that was born January 19th, 1954. She's one of those Capricorn Aquarius cusps that Whoa. I love yeah. so much. Two days away from my birthday. They're my favorite people. Like January 17th to January 20th, like so many of my favorite people have been born in those days. Hey, <laughs> she came to prominence in the contemporary art world in the late 1970s and is best known for her complex photography challenging the status quo and exploring ideas of identity and contemporary culture. She is a member of the Pictures Generation, a loosely affiliated group of artists that use photography and mass media imagery from a conceptual standpoint. So these artists were basically considered appropriation artists and they would take images from contemporary culture and then fit those into their ideas of theory and <laughs> life and Corey help me out <laughs> yeah exactly they I mean it's basically 
combining pop culture imagery and conceptual art. Mm -hmm. So you have this layering of things that are considered very highbrow and things that are considered very lowbrow together. Yeah, and how those kind of influence our perception of the world and what's going on around us. Sherman's work is heavily engaged with the American feminism of the time. Interestingly, she does not consider herself to be an overly political person, but she does admit that her work engages with political themes. Her work seeks to question the oppressive nature of film and mass media on both the individual and the collective, also calling attention to the mass consumerism of the late 20th century. Cindy Sherman is often considered an appropriation artist. Her work intentionally appropriates images from both historical and contemporary culture and alters them to make statements concerning authority, identity, and gender. In using pop culture imagery that has been mass-produced through a primary medium of photography, Sherman produces a layered commentary on the role of the copy or reproduction in the realm of fine art. In doing so, she challenges the concept of the artistic genius, an idea that is very much tied up in the idea of high culture versus low culture and maintaining the status quo. So that's a really sort of novel last half of the 20th century idea of wanting to blur that boundary between high and low culture. I think that we see it in a lot of contemporary art. Yeah, and especially when photography becomes a little more easily accessible, that kind of begins to toe the line, which becomes really fun and interesting. Nowadays, especially. Exactly. And that's, I mean, 100% what she's doing with Mm -hmm. photography being her main medium and images that can be reproduced. That is much different than a painting, you know, that hangs in the Louvre and kind of questioning, like, why does reproducing an image make it less valuable Mm -hmm. or, you know, less high art? So kind of, yeah, challenging those established ideals of, Mm -hmm. of what makes art art. Well, it's interesting, too, because for a long time after the introduction of photography just in the world, I believe that photographers have had to fight to defend their Mm -hmm. medium as art Mm -hmm. and so I really like the intentional sort of putting it in your face of like I know that this is easily reproducible I'm doing that on purpose (laughs) that's the point I get it (laughs) yeah definitely Sherman first came to prominence with her series Untitled Film Stills 1977 to 1980 This series of 69 black and white photographs was shot over the course of three years and depicts Sherman in various stereotypically feminine roles, ranging from librarian to seductress. The stills are reminiscent of film stills from the classic American film noir style of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, but are intentionally reworked in a way that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. The most widely discussed image from this series is untitled film still number 21, which depicts Sherman as a youthful, small-town girl venturing out into the Big Apple to make something of herself. The image is beautifully shot and captures the language of storytelling that is used within film. However, what is most impressive and insightful about this image is how it truly captures this sense that the woman is kind of feeling watched or judged and that there is a persona she tries to adapt to combat that. Interestingly, Sherman has said that she felt the need to adapt a street persona upon moving to New York City in order to survive in that environment. What do you guys think about this? I love this image. Mm -hmm. I think that she does a great job of capturing that whole small, small town girl 
living in a lonely <laughs> world. <laughs> Especially. <laughs> I'm in a train anywhere. <laughs> Especially the camera angle taken from a slightly lower vantage point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of helps enlarge the perspective of the buildings, making her, you know, seem like a little little flower yeah. underneath these big, it's also, tall buildings. It's claustrophobic. The y- buildings yeah, yeah. are sort of like haphazard angles behind her, and they're also kind of blurry. And I feel like... You can see the expression on her face makes me feel like she's being sort of oppressed somehow. Yeah, definitely. Like, I 100% feel like there's a distinct sense of fragility. Like, she she appears kind of fragile, but exactly the look on her face is almost like her combating that or figuring out how to deal with that. Like, this idea that, you know, like, she is kind of, yeah, being oppressed by her surroundings, but now she's going to figure out how to navigate that. Genius. Genius. <laughs> Much of Cindy Sherman's work is characterized by images of herself dressed as various characters. In other words, Sherman is her own model and a central focus of much of her work. She's tried to do work with models but says that it never works out and she ends up having to do it over herself anyway because she doesn't know what she wants or how to articulate what she wants until she sees it. Throughout her career, she has posed as everything from a circa 1950s Hollywood starlet to a clergyman to a horror movie monster. These images are pretty much always engaging with stereotypical characters found in contemporary film. Identity, both individual and collective, is a central theme of Sherman's work. Scanning through works by Sherman can feel similar to scanning through the entire ego of a person. By portraying herself as these various characters, it is possible that Sherman is suggesting that identity is simply a continuous shifting through stereotypes. However, much speculation has been made surrounding Sherman's work and her intent. Some read her work as an exploration and expression of Sherman's personal identity, and others believe that Sherman is just examining the concept of identity within contemporary society in a larger sense. In fact, the question, who is Sidney Sherman, has come to surround her work. This has added a certain mystique to the artist and the images that she creates. There is an undeniably performative element of much of her work. Sherman recalls loving dressing up as a child, but not in the typical princess ballerina sense. She actually, in this documentary I I watched, um, her exact words were she enjoyed the more perverse side of dressing up. Like she liked making herself look weird or scary. Mm -hmm. Like Uh, the people who get really into horror film makeup and things like that the grotesque exactly and she's a huge horror film yeah like aficionado a huge horror film lover during her college years she was somewhat engaged with theater and the theatrical arts which seemed to spill over into her life and eventually her work sherman would often dress up as characters to go to parties in college she recalls once getting in character to attend an opening and feeling like something was missing so she placed a pillow under her dress and went as a pregnant woman fun (laughs) (laughs) from a feminist standpoint much of sherman's work seems to be commenting on the idea that being a woman is a performance that by being subjected to the male gaze which if you are unfamiliar the male gaze is the idea that women are consistently depicted and seen as objects for male pleasure this is a form of what is known as scopophilia which is a term i learned in my film studies class 
It's a good word. I know, right? (laughs) If you want to know more about this, read Laura Mulvey or John Berger's way of seeing, I feel like breaks it down very, very clearly in a way that's understandable. But her work is, is very much engaging with the male gaze and this idea that the woman is always being viewed and defined according to various stereotypes. Due to this pressure, women have been socialized to perform at all times. Sherman is exploring these various performances that women put on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sherman completed a series titled History Portraits between 1988 and 1990 when she was living in Rome. Untitled number 228 from the History Portrait series is a seven-foot-tall photograph by Cindy Sherman depicting an image of the biblical Judith beheading Holofernes. The image resembles a painting in an old master renaissance style. However, upon closer inspection, certain details appear off. Both the facial expression of Judith as well as the decapitated head of Holofernes look somewhat cartoonish as though they were props in a movie. Since Sherman was living in Rome at the time, one would assume that her inspiration for this series was visiting the endless works of Renaissance art housed in museums all around her. However, Sherman wasn't about that. While creating this series, Sherman chose only to look at the images she found in books. She remains bound by print culture as the reproduction of images is a theme central to her work. In the tale of Judith beheading Holofernes, a story that is loved by many feminist art historians, <laughs> including us, you just gotta love it's a classic. it. Classic. I forget that it's not My like favorite. a classic story that people know. <laughs> it's a good one. I like it. Judith saves the Israelites from Holofernes, an Assyrian general, by using her feminine wiles mm. to take advantage of him whilst he is inebriated. Ultimately, the Israelites are saved. Since this image is created in Sherman's signature style, it emanates a kind of ambiguity, instilling somewhat of an unease in the viewer. This has been read by critics as a commentary on the fact that Judith must use her sexuality to defeat Holofernes, making her both a hero and a sexual object, which is a complicated thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that we talk about that enough. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love it. But I also see why it's a... Uh, complicated can, thing can we talk about just the aesthetics of this photograph yeah let's too? do it yeah her feet are the huge feet, right those, those are, are some actual- caravaggio feet like those are enormous male feet that are dirty <laughs> well yeah you know i noticed the feet right away and i know that that was such a conscious choice on her yeah. part because these renaissance paintings are always so weird with the feet. Mm-hmm. The yeah. feet are always just totally funky. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. It's just the big, dirty feet, like Caravaggio. She's yeah. just leaning in, and then it's like a tiny little hand. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it, too. She also, maybe it's the eyebrow. Something reminds me of, like, those gypsy machines that you'd see at, like, a carnival. That, oh, like, yeah. The fortune teller machines. Yeah. I'm getting strong fortune teller vibes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. then, and then just Holofernes 
<laughs> decapitated head. It, I mean, it looks like a Halloween mask. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's from a horror film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's pretty good. I think that this is a really fun. I mean, it's not meant to be fun, but it's a fun take what, on what a, the... What a good time. It's just fun. She's so good at making two, like, seemingly m- mismatched, like, styles just look almost natural together. Yeah. Like, there's something so unnatural about this, but it, it doesn't hit you right away. At first yeah, glance, not at all. It, it seems to work. Exactly. <laughs> if you saw this in a museum, I don't think I would notice right away that Mm-mm. it was contemporary or, you know, it would take me a minute yeah. to, to recognize that. Yeah. And I think that there was a lot of conscious choices on her part to sort of blur this line between photography and the old master painting, yep. especially her garment seems so over the top with the folds that it reminds me of those old master paintings where it's just like more folds. <laughs> yeah. We need I more can't folds. paint folds. <laughs> I can't paint folds. Yeah. <laughs> Look at all my folds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Sherman's work has been subject to endless speculation. Sherman herself does not particularly enjoy analyzing her work too deeply, as we mentioned, and doesn't give much attention to those who do so. She has stated that she wants audiences to be able to engage with her work without reading about it. However, she does not deny the political and social implications of her work and has come to be considered a contemporary master of socially critical photography. What a title. That is a title. It's pretty good. Yeah, I read that in my research. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, it's a lot of powerful words right yeah, there. I wouldn't be mad about that. Yeah. Put that on your business card. I know. <laughs> contemporary master of socially critical photography. Hey. Uh, Cindy nice Sherman at uh, gmail.com. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's this really great documentary on her that's on YouTube and I really enjoyed it. It's called Nobody's Here But Me and it was filmed in 1994. And as I mentioned, she is a huge like horror movie buff. That was a huge focus of the documentary. So it really goes deep into that aspect of her work. So if that's interesting to you, horror films, horror imagery, you should definitely watch that. It also was just an interesting film to watch because it was filmed in 94, which was so long ago. So like there, I don't know, there was just like some interesting cultural layers, like how things have changed since the documentary Mm -hmm. was made. Also, just a fun thing in the documentary, she has a parrot named Frida and she like, like is hanging out with Frida and like giving her a little bird kisses and it's nice. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I love that. I really like her. She seems like a cool and interesting person that I would like to have a drink with. Yeah, for sure. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this BB on a art history babe, Cindy Sherman. Or an art babe, because... Yeah, she's, <laughs> you know, she's history. <laughs> she made it into the history books. She's in there. She's in there. Whether she likes it or not. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. From Oh my god, that word. So Seductress. Good. Seductress. I so haven't good. heard that and I love it. <laughs> the Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. 
Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.